0: Genesis chapter number 31, and I actually would like you to go back to chapter 30, Genesis chapter number 30. And if you remember last week, last week we went through the story of Jacob's children being born, and we saw uh, Rachel and Leah fighting back and forth. uh, And we actually covered uh, the last part of Genesis 29 and the first part of Genesis 30. Tonight we're going to cover the last part of Genesis 30 and all of chapter 31. So we read chapter 31, but we're actually going to start back in Genesis chapter 30. I want you to look down at verse number 25, Genesis chapter number 30 and verse number 25. The Bible says and it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, remember that was the 11th son that was born, the last one up to now, that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go unto my own place into my country. Give me my wives and my children from whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service, which I have done thee. So basically, Jacob at this point has been living and working for Laban for 14 years, because remember, he worked for the first seven years for Rachel, but he ended up getting Leah, and then he uh, worked another seven years for Rachel, so here he's at the end of those, uh, the initial 14 years, he's worked 14 years, he's got uh, two wives, 11 children. Uh, he actually has four wives and 11 children because he ended up marrying the the maids of the wives as well. And he's basically wanting to go back home. He says, I, I want to go back unto my own place. Look at verse 27. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes. He says, tarry. The word tarry means remain or stay. He said, he's saying, don't, don't leave, don't go. And he says, for I have learned by experience that the Lord... Have blessed me for thy sake, and he said, Appoint me thy wages, and I will give it now keep your place there in Genesis chapter thirty, and just flip a few pages forward to genesis chapter thirty nine Let me say this in the Bible you will find and i 'm going to show you just a little bit of that uh, tonight, but in the Bible you will find that god 's people are always the best workers in the world whenever you see god 's people in the world as workers, they are always the best workers they're always getting the promotions, they're always the, the best ones um, that you find. And that's highlighted throughout the Bible. And here we see it with Jacob, where he says, Hey, I, 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 I've, I've done my job, our contract is over. 14 years are done, I want to go home. And Laban says, no, 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 I want you to stay. He says, I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for thy sake. And he says, appoint me thy wages. He says, let's make another deal. Let's make another contract. What do I have to do to stay? Laban does not want, to, uh, want Jacob to leave because of Jacob's work ethic, because of the fact that Jacob is such a great worker. But you find this throughout the Bible. Let me give you some examples. You're there in Genesis 39. We're fast forwarding a little bit to the story of Joseph. Remember, Joseph was uh, Jacob's 11th son. And remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers who envied him. Look at Genesis 39 and verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight. The his there is referring to Potiphar, who's the man who purchased Joseph in slavery. Notice, and he, that's Joseph, served him, that's Potiphar, and he made him overseer, over his house, So Joseph gets hired as a slave, he begins to work for Potiphar, and Potiphar notices, hey, this is a great worker, this is a young man that I can trust, and he actually promotes him, and he makes him the overseer, or the manager, over his house, notice what it says at the end of verse 4, and all that he put to, uh, into, his, uh, uh, I'm sorry, and all that he had, uh, good night, and all that he had, he put into his house. Hand, all right, English is my second language. Don't, don't forget that. All right, look, look at verse six. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had save the bread, which, the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. I want you to notice that Potiphar uh, advanced Joseph, Potiphar trusted Joseph. He left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Fast forward a little bit, go down to verse 20. If you're uh, look, Genesis 39, same chapter, look at verse 20. And Joseph's master, that's Potiphar took him, and put him into the prison. Now, why is he doing that? Remember, Potiphar's wife ended up lying about Joseph, ended up accusing him falsely. So now he's putting him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. You see that? Here you've got a prisoner, but... They see his work ethic, they see the the talents that he has, and and the keeper of the prison puts him in charge of running the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he, talking about Joseph, was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Go to Genesis 41, look at verse 43. Fast forward several years, and we see him going up the ladder, from prison to the palace, from from uh, slavery, he's now going to uh, the kingdom. Genesis forty one, look at verse forty three. And he, now the he there is Pharaoh, and he made him, that's Joseph, to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee, and he, that's Pharaoh, made him, that's Joseph, ruler over all. So, you notice a pattern in the life of Joseph. He gets sold into slavery. He's a slave in the home. They put him in charge of the home. He gets thrown in prison. They put him in charge of the prison. Then he's in charge of all of Egypt. He was a hard worker. And everywhere he went, his work ethic was so apparent. The blessing of God and the hand of God upon his life was so apparent that people just promoted him. People put him in charge. And you'll find this throughout the Bible. It's not just Joseph, it's not just Jacob. Let me give you another example. Go to the book of Esther. Esther chapter number 9, if you can find the one and two books, you know, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, you can find those books, you got 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, then you have Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, okay, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, go to uh, Esther chapter 9, look at verse 4, Esther chapter 9, and verse 4, the Bible says, Esther 9 4, notice what it says. For Mordecai was great in the king's house. And his fame went out throughout all the providence. For this man, Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Here you've got Mordecai, who's a servant, who's a slave in a foreign nation. But notice he gets there and he waxed great. Notice he gets there, he gets there and he was great in the king's house. Go to Esther chapter 10. Look at verse 2. Esther chapter 10 and verse 2, notice what the Bible says, and all the acts of his power and of his might, and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him. Do you see that? Whereunto the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew, notice, was next unto king Ahasuerus. He was next to him, just like Joseph with Egypt and Great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed. Let me give you another example. Go to Daniel, chapter number 2. Daniel, chapter number 2. Towards the end of the Old Testament, you find those big, major prophets. you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. So we saw Jacob. We saw Joseph. We saw Mordecai. Let's look at Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. Look at verse 48. Daniel chapter 2, verse 48. Notice what the Bible says. Then the king, then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler. Are you starting to see a pattern? I mean, everywhere these guys go, they're being promoted. They're being advanced. They're being put in charge and made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. He makes Daniel chief over all the governors. He makes Daniel ruler over all the people. Let me give you another example. Go to Daniel chapter 3. Look at verse 30. Not only was Daniel advanced, not only was Daniel promoted, but we also see that his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted. Daniel chapter 3. Look at verse 30. Daniel chapter 3, verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the providence of Babylon. And here's what I want you to understand. All throughout the Bible, you find this common theme that God's people were hard workers. God's people were people that could be trusted. God's people, everywhere they went, even when they were working out in foreign lands, in Babylon, in Egypt, in Persia, they were always noticed as men that worked hard, men that you could trust, men that that the blessing of God was upon them. And here's what I want you to understand. It, should, it ought to always be. It ought to always be. The best workers at your job ought to be Christians. The best workers in your business ought to be Christians. The best workers in Sacramento or in, in, in the United States of America ought to be Christians. Now, unfortunately, that's not the case. Unfortunately, Christians have a reputation of being lazy. Christians have a reputation of not working hard. I've heard many employers say to me, I, I never hire a Christian. They just don't work hard. But listen to me, that didn't come from the Bible. That didn't come from the Word of God. In the Word of God, you find everywhere these people go, they get promoted. Everywhere they go, they get advanced. Everywhere they go, they're put in charge. Everywhere they go, and it starts with Jacob in Laban's home. He says, I want to go home. He says, don't go home. What do I have to do to keep you? And I want you to notice tonight, and I want to give you tonight, if you can get back to Genesis chapter 30, I want you to see five secrets to success that we find in the life of Jacob, five things that Jacob did that made him, and it wasn't just Jacob, it was Joseph, and it wasn't just Joseph, it was Mordecai, and it wasn't just Mordecai, it was Daniel, and it wasn't just Daniel, it was Shadrach, and it wasn't just Shadrach, it was Meshach, and it wasn't just Meshach, it was Abednego, because it ought to be all God's people. It ought to be you. And here's what I want you to, want to understand. This works for whatever area you're in. These principles, if you are the business owner, if you are the pastor, if you are the employee, if you are working the drive through at McDonald's, this stuff works. If you are a stay-at-home mom, if you are homeschooling your children, all of these things work and apply for you. I want to give you five secrets to success in the workplace. Go back to Genesis chapter 30. Look at verse 29. Notice what it says, and he, that's Jacob, said unto him. Because remember, Laban said, what do I got to do to keep you? Appoint me thy wages. He says, tell me what do I got to do? And he said unto him, thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. Look at verse 30. And it was little, notice what he says, notice what Jacob says. For it was little which thou hadst before I came, and it is now increased, unto a multitude, and the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming, and now when shall I provide for mine own house also? Now, I want you to notice, here's the, first, here's the first secret, the first rule for success. Number one, produce results for your boss. I know this doesn't seem deep, and I know it's not complicated, but that goes against our culture today. Produce results for your boss. You know the American culture today for the employee? You know what it is? The culture for the employee today, the way that we are raised to think about work is this, that there's a tension between the employer and the employee, that we are not working together, we are working at odds, and here's what it means, the employer sees the employee as the enemy, the employer has to make sure the employee is constantly working. The employer cannot trust the employee. The employer has to hire supervisors to be on top of the employee. You know why? Because the American employee, the culture of, American, of the American workforce is this. When I get hired, my goal is to get as much for as little as possible. I want to try to do the least and get the most and I'm in conflict, there's a tension between me and my boss. I don't want to work hard. I want to just do what the, the, the least that I need to do, the minimum that I need to do. I want to accomplish that, get my paycheck, and go home. But that is not that is not the mindset that Jacob and Joseph and Daniel and Mordecai and all these great men have got. That's not the mindset they had. You know the mindset they had? The mindset they had was this. I want to do everything in my power to produce the results for the boss. I don't know if you understand this, but your boss hired you to make him money. Period. He didn't hire you because he likes you. He didn't hire you because you're cute. He didn't hire you because your resume was on nice, you know, ivory paper as a result, of, or, you know, as, as opposed to white paper. He didn't hire you. He hired you for one reason: make him money, produce results. And the best thing that you can do as an employee is figure out, why did my boss hire me? What is it that he wants me to do? And then get to work to do that. Hey, the best thing you can do to keep your job and advance in your job is figure out what does the boss want and then produce those results. Jacob understood that Laban was in the business of flocks, of sheep, of herds. And Jacob was very, very uh, truthful, to say, and Laban did not argue with him, when I got here, your sheep were few. Now they are great. I produce results for you. And Laban said, you're right. That's what we want to keep you. Just listen to me very carefully. When you make money for your boss, you will be the last one to get fired. Do you understand that? When, when your boss has to cut back, And he's got to decide, you know, uh, I've got 20 guys working for me. i got to get rid of eight. And he's got to come up with that list of eight. If he knows that you make making money, you'll be number 11 on that list. You'll be number not on that list. The best thing you could do to get promoted at work, the best thing that you could do is to get rid of this mindset that I'm just here for eight hours. I'm just going to clock in and clock out. Look, just decide. I'm here to produce results for my boss. You say, how does that apply in ministry? We've got staff, guys that work here at Verity Baptist Church. Hey, you know, we're not here to make money. We don't make a lot of money, to be honest with you. You know, but we've got goals here, too. We want to see people saved. We want to see people baptized. We want to, what do you do? Figure out what the boss wants, the Lord Jesus Christ, and get that done. You know, you say, well, I, uh, I homeschool my children. Then you make sure that your children get the best education possible in the United States of America. That's what you decide to do, moms. You decide, you decide there will be no school, there will be no public school, there will be no homeschool, there will be no school in this county, in this city, that could provide a better education than I can for my children. You need to figure out what is the goal? What is it that you're trying to produce? What is it that you were hired to do and do that? It's not complicated, but the secret to success of the workplace is this, produce results for your boss. Figure out what winning looks like and make sure you win. Jacob was very, he he didn't have to sit there and think, well, what have I done for you, Laban? See, when you get called into the boss's office and he says, have a seat, and he says, listen, I got to get rid of some guys. Explain to me, why should I not get rid of you? You need to have an answer. You need to be able to say, well, remember when I got here and you had 12 sheep? Now you've got 112 sheep. That's why you want to keep me. But see, the average worker just wants to go to work, get paid. Do as little as possible. I don't want to learn. I don't want to read. I don't want to put any energy. I don't want to have to try to get better. I just want to do the least minimum. And that's why you will get fired. That's why you will not get promoted. That's why your boss is not very impressed. Produce results for your boss. And maybe you're a business owner here. You need to figure out what's the point? What is it that you're trying to accomplish with your business? And no one's, and here's the wrong point to just be as rich as possible. Okay, that's a stupid goal in life. You'll end up backsliding, and you'll end up out of church when you're covetous. You know, your goal ought to be to make enough money to provide for your family and to serve God and to be generous. You know, but you figure that out. You need to decide. Here's the goal. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And then you work towards that. Produce results for your boss. Let me give you the second one. Go, go back to, Gen- or go to Genesis 30. Look at verse 31. And he said, and he said, so, so Laban says, appoint me thy wages. Jacob says, well, you know when I got here, you were broke, you were bad, things weren't well, and I've made them better, I've increased your flocks. So the, here's the response, verse 31, and he said, this is, this is Laban, what shall I give thee? And notice what he said, he said, what shall I give thee? He said, okay, you've made me lots of money, you've made me very successful, what shall I give thee? And Jacob said, don't miss this, you got to underline this in your Bible, thou shall not. He said, Thou shalt not give me anything. He just got done telling him, I produced results for you. I I made sure your business was succeeding. And Laban says, Okay, well what do you want me to give you as a result? And he says, I don't want you to give me anything. He said, Thou shalt not give me anything. If thou will do this thing, for me, I will again feed and keep thy flocks. And he's about to make a deal with him. And he said, let's make a deal and I'll feed your flock. But here's what he said. He said, because Laban uses these words. He said, well, what do you want me to give you? And, and Jacob is very quick to respond. I don't want you to give me anything. You know what the second success uh, secret to success in the workplace is? Here it goes. Reject the handout mentality. Reject the handout mentality. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. All the T books, find them in the New Testament. They're all clustered together. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, Titus. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. This sermon is really a sermon against the American workforce culture. Because not only does the American workforce culture have this idea that the boss is the enemy and I need to try to get as much as I can from him by giving him as little as I possibly can. But the other problem with the with the American uh, culture today is that we have developed a handout mentality. We have developed a welfare mentality, where we just want things handed to us. We just want things given to us. We just want people to just you know here you go. I mean it's 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 like people they 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 want a job and it's like I just want I don't want to have to work very hard and I want to just get that job where I'm making two hundred thousand a year. I'm working four hours a day, and two of those are on Facebook anyway. You know, it's like they just want it all. But, you know, the people that are successful in business, they reject a handout out my time. There used to be a time in our country where, where men, where men had this attitude, you know, I'm just going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Now I don't know if you ever tried to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but that's actually impossible to do that, okay? But the idea is this, that, like, I don't need help. I don't need you to help. You know, I'm just going to do it myself. And you know what? Men need to get back to that mentality where they're just like, I'm going to work hard. I don't need your hand out. I don't need you to give me anything, Laban. I want to work hard. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to stay late. Let's make a deal. But I don't need your hand out. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look at verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. For even when we were with you, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if, here, here's the welfare in, in, in the Bible, that if any would not work, neither should he eat, yeah, right. that if any would not work, neither should he eat, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies, now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Now look, I'm not opposed to helping people. And I think, you know, the fact that our government even has a system to help people out, I think it's great. I think it's fine. From time to time, people need help as long as they're working, as long as they're trying to work. But there are some people in our country that have made their career welfare. They're not trying to get a job. They're not trying to do better. Their job is to survive off the government. And that's wrong. You know, we as Christians ought to reject the handout mentality, and there's always time for charity, there's always time for almsgiving, and you ought not reject it when people try to help you, you ought not reject that if you're down and out and people try to, that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about the mentality that says you must help me. You understand what I'm saying? It's not that you're working away, you're doing everything you can, you're just struggling, and God puts it on somebody's heart to help you out. Hey, praise the Lord for that. That's not what I'm talking about. But this idea where people say, well, you need to give me. You must support me. It's like, what are you doing? You know, nothing, Obama. Just give me money. You know, I don't know if Trump's going to keep giving money away like Obama did, but, you know, we've developed a welfare mentality in America. People don't don't even want jobs. They go to work, they'll make less money. But, you know, we as Christians, we ought to reject this handout mentality. What shall I give thee? Thou shalt not give me anything. I want to work. I want to earn it. I want to make, you know, same with these homeless people. You know, I like it when I see the sign that says we'll work for food. I like that. I'm not saying I'm gonna take them to my house, you know, you know, or whatever. I mean, I'm not gonna take some stranger to my house. But I'm saying, you know, at least, you know, uh, hey, around here, you see these guys, if you see somebody with a t- tell them, hey, we'll give you all the leftover donuts if you clean up all the trash you leave out here, you know, grab a bag and clean up. Hey, great. I think it's great for people to work. I think it's great for them to say, I don't want to hand out. Just let me work. And Jacob said, Hey, thou shalt not give me anything. He said, I want to work for it. I want to pick myself up by from my by my bootstraps. I want to I and mean, we need to have a revival of this in America. Go go back to uh Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. And and you you ladies and you girls and you young girls when it's time to get married, you make sure you find somebody that's not afraid to work. You find a guy that likes to play video games, likes to sleep in, likes to eat donuts. You you run, you know. Just run in the other direction. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to help you. Genesis chapter 30. Look at verse 32. I want you to notice what happens in this passage. This passage is kind of interesting. So let me just give you a little bit of the context of what's going on. Look at verse 32. And I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled. So remember he said, what, what, what shall I give thee? He said, don't give me anything. But he said, but let's do this. He said, he says, if thou wilt do this thing for me. I will again feed and keep thy flocks. So he said, Here's the deal. Here's what we're gonna do. 32. I will pass through thy flocks today, removing from them all the speckled and spotted cattle, and all the brown cattle among the sheep, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my hire. So he said, Here's what I'm gonna do, here's, here's what I, we can do, Laban. I will work for you again, but from here on, whatever is born to the herd, if it's brown, if it's speckled, If it's spotted, that will be my hire. I will keep that as my own. So you get to keep all the nice white sheep that everybody wants. I'll take all the brown ones. I'll take the spotted ones. I'll take the speckled ones. Look at verse 33. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come, when it shall come for my hire before thy face. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted Stolen with me. So he says, if I have anything that's not spotted or speckled or brown, then, you know, I I stole that from you. But I'll I'll keep just the brown, speckled, spotted, ring straight. That will be my hire. So that was the deal they made. Look look at verse 34. Laban accepts the deal. And, of course, Laban is a deceiver, right? He's a a sneaky character. So Laban does something interesting. He stacks the odds in his favor, right? Because they just made a deal. And notice, notice what he does, verse 34. And Laban said, Behold, I would it might be according to thy word. So he accepts the deal. But then he does this, verse 35. And he removed that day the he goats that were ring straked and spotted and all the she goats that were speckled and spotted And every one that had some white in it, and all the brown among the sheep, and gave them into the hands of his sons. And he set three days' journey betwixt himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. So here's what I Jacob says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and keep your flock again. But anything that's born from here on, if it's spotted, if it's speckled, if it's brown, if it's ring straight, that'll be my heart. Laban says... Deal. Then he goes and grabs everything that's brown, everything that's speckled, everything that's ring-strakened, gives it to his sons, and says, you get three days away from Jacob. So he leaves Jacob with all the white sheep, and then he says, anything that's born brown, you can keep it. You know, he's, he's, he's basically just stacking the odds against it, because, you know, because Jacob's not going to have any of these brown, ring-strakened um, sheep to keep. So Jacob takes some odd actions. He takes these odd actions, and they produce extraordinary results. And I want to try to explain to you what's going on here, because this is a chapter that I'm often asked about, uh, and people have a lot of questions like, what is going on here? And I want to try to explain that to you tonight. Look at verse 37. And Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of hazelnut and chestnut trees. So he basically takes branches from these trees. And peeled white streaks in them. So he takes these branches and he just peels, you know, just cuts into these into these uh, uh, rods, these branches. He peeled white streaks in them to expose, you know, to remove some of the bark and expose the white. And made the white appear, which was in the rods. And he set the rods, which he had peeled before the flocks, in the gutters and in the watering troughs, when the flock came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. So he takes these rods of these certain trees green poplar, hazel, and chestnut. He cuts, you know, he, he, he peels them basically to expose, uh, to, to remove the bark and expose these, these white streaks in it. Then he takes the rods and he puts them in the water where the sheep are going to come and they're going to. Uh, you know, drink the water from. Now, what's going on here? Some people say, well, you know, what he's doing is he's making these, you know, people have said, like, he's making the sheep look like they're brown. I don't think that's what's going on at all. And and honestly, you know, my guess, because this is a complicated uh, chapter, and it's not very clear, my guess is that Jacob has been doing this for a long time. I mean, this is is his business. Remember, Esau was out in the field, but Jacob kept flocks. Okay, this is what he's done for a long time. He did it for Isaac. He's done it now for Laban for 14 years. He's very successful at it. If I have to take a guess, I would say that Jacob, because of his experience, has some sort of knowledge that these rods probably help the flocks be fertile. Because if you notice, look at, verse, look at the last part of verse 38. He says, before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs, when the flocks came forth to drink, notice what it says, that they should conceive when they came to drink. So I don't think there's anything weird going on here. I think just Jacob has some knowledge about this, and he probably realizes that if he puts this these rods and exposes the, 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 the underneath of these rods in the water, there's something that helps these flocks be fertile because he's doing it that they should conceive. He's doing it that they might uh, get pregnant. Look at verse 3.9. And the flocks conceived before the rocks and brought forth. Now, notice what they brought forth. They brought forth cattle, ringstrike, speckled, and spotted. These are white sheep that are bringing forth cattle that are ringstrike, speckled, and spotted. Now, listen, I don't think Jacob had any control over what these sheep brought forth. Okay. I think the rods have to do with helping the flocks be fertile so that they'll conceive. But the, 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 the flocks brought forth the cattle that's ring-streaked, speckled, and spotted. You say, well, what's the answer to that? Well, I, I think the answer is found in Genesis chapter 31. So go to chapter 31 real quick and look at verse number 10. We're going to fast forward a little bit. But what we're doing, we're, like, we're, we're having like a flashback, okay? Because in Genesis 31, you find Jacob telling his wives what happened. He's explaining to them, you know, how it is that he was able to increase the flocks and become so wealthy. And I want you to notice what Jacob says to his wives. Genesis 31, look at verse 10. This is him talking to the, to, to the wives. And it came to pass, at the time that the cattle conceived, or at the time that it's, it's time for the cattle to conceive, that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream. He says, I, I had a dream. This comes from God. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ringstrake and speckled and gristled. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ringstrake and speckled and gristled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. So basically, what, what's going on here? You know, Jacob is basically doing, you know, he's like, he's doing like divine insider trading, okay? Because basically he has this dream where God tells him, God's like, hey, all the cattle are going to bring forth, speckled and spotted and ring straight. You know, that's a dream he had before he made the deal with, with Laban. So he goes to Laban and he's like, hey, I'll take all the speckled. I'll take all the spotted. I'll take all the rings straight. That'll be my hire. And David's like, sure. Takes all those out, gives them all the white. But yet the cattle, that's what it brought forth. Okay, so, you know, because people ask, like, what's he doing? You know, is this some sort of weird magic or whatever? I think it's just God God just told him he had a dream, and God said, hey, put your money on brown. (laughs) You know, put your money on speckled. Put your money on on spotted because that's what's going to bring forth. And here's what's interesting. Look down at verse number uh, seven, uh, Genesis 31, verse seven. When Laban saw that certain kind... because here's what I want you to understand, so you can kind of get the story. It's not, it's not that all the cattle brought forth speckled, brown, spotted, ring straight, gristled, okay? It's that they all brought forth like brown, okay? And then when Laban saw that they all brought forth brown, then Laban said, hey, let's change the deal. I know we said brown, but le- let me change it to speckled. So then all the cattle began to bring forth speckled. So then Laban's like, hey, let's change the deal. I know I said speckled, but let's go with gristled. And then all the, all the cattle began, let me show it to you. Look at Genesis 31 verse 7. This is, this is uh, Jacob explaining the story to his wives. He says, and your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. He said, we agreed on this one. But he changed it ten times. Now, the first time, or the first two times that he changed his wages was for Leah and Rachel. But then the other eight times, you know, he's changing the wages based on what happened. Notice what it says. Look at Genesis 3, verse 1, verse 7. And your father had deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. And notice what it look, look at verse 8. If he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle are speckled. And if he said, thus, the ring straight shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ring straight. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. So look, it's just a miracle. It's just God blessing Jacob because he's getting ripped off by Laban. And every time that Laban says, okay, okay, I'll give you the ring strength," then that's what bear. And and this happens seven times, eight times. He changes it ten times. Look at verse 41, same chapter. Later on, Jacob calls out Laban for being dishonest with him. We're, gonna, we're just covering a lot of passages, but I want you to notice, this is after they've left, Laban runs after him, and I want you to notice what Jacob says to Laban. Genesis 31 and verse 41, Genesis 31, verse 41, Thus have I, this is Jacob now speaking to Laban, he says, Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and they made a deal about the speckled, the brown, the ring straight, and six years for thy cattle. And thou hast changed my wages ten times. So what's going on here? Go, go, uh, well, just real quickly, uh, go to the book of Colossians. I want to show you something. Colossians chapter 4. In the New Testament, you got 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. When you get to Colossians, put a bulletin or a ribbon or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. Colossians chapter 4. Look at verse 1, Colossians 4, verse 1. I just want you to notice that Laban is a bad boss, okay? And from time to time, you may have a bad boss. But, you know, you, your job is not to get even with your boss. You let God deal with that. Okay? You let God, you know, wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you where to put, you know, this, you know you, to put your stocks in certain places, all right? Let him, let him take care of you. Colossians 4, 1, the Bible, the Bible says there's masters. That's talking about employers, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. So that's a verse that Laban should have known. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. And if you're the employer, make sure you're fair with your employees. Make sure you give them that which is just and equal. Make sure that you take care of them because you've got a boss. You've got a master. And we should do unto others as we would have them do unto us. But you know what? We should also do unto others as we would have God do unto us. And if we want God to be generous with us, then we should be generous with others. Go back to Genesis. Keep your place in Colossians. We're going to come back to it. Go back to Genesis 30. So what's going on? Because this is an odd story, so I want to try to explain to you. What's going on? Well, the first thing is that he peeled the rods, right? And he put them in the watering troughs. I think that was just to help the cattle be fertile, so that they would conceive. Nothing weird there. Then he puts all his money on brown and all his money on ring and all his money on speckled. That's just a result of divine insider training. God told him in a dream. That's what's going to come forth, so you make the deal for that. Okay, that was miraculous. But let me show you the, 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 the other thing that Jacob does. Go back to Genesis 30, look at verse 40. And Jacob, Genesis 30 and verse 40, and Jacob did separate the lambs. Genesis chapter 30, verse 40. And Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the ring straight and all the brown in the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and put them not unto Laban's cattle. And it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rocks. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's, and the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and men servants, and camels and asses. What's going on here? It's not anything weird. This is stuff that people do today. I asked Brother David, because Bre- Brother David has pigeons. He raises these pigeons. And Brother David does this, all right, you know, ba- basically. And it's called selective inbreeding or selective breeding where he's basically just taking the stronger cattle and breeding them to make sure that what's born the next generation is the strongest cattle. Now, he's doing it in a kind of a, you know, getting back at Laban way because he's putting all the weak lambs, you know, in Laban's flock, and he's keeping all the strong lambs for himself. But it's not weird. It's not odd. He's just, if they're weak, he sends them to Laban. If they're strong, he keeps them. He's just manipulating the breeding so that he can get the strongest cattle. So I hope that helps you understand the story, because a lot of people have questions about this, and I, I think that's what's going on. I think that it was just he had a dream. God told him what was going to happen, so he made the deal for that dream. But the other things, I think it's just stuff that shepherds were doing in those days, helping the flocks be fertile so that they would increase, you know, doing selective uh, breeding so that they would be taken care of, and he and he made a lot of money. So we saw that uh, the first uh, secret that we saw there was produce results for your boss. The second secret there was reject the handout mentality. Let me give you the third one. Go to Genesis chapter uh, thirty-one. Look at verse four. Genesis chapter. Well, actually, look 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 at chapter uh, thirty-one and verse one. Genesis thirty-one and verse one. Notice what the Bible says. And he heard the words of Laban's son saying, because now now Jacob is increased exceedingly. He's and he's had as much cattle and maidservants and men servants and camels and asses. So now he's, he's very wealthy and very successful. And, and, and the Bible says that he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob had taken away all that was our father's. Now that's not true. It's kind of like we were talking about this morning. They made a deal. That was the deal. And of that which our father's has he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban. And behold, it was not toward him as before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. So remember, 14 years early, earlier, Jacob wanted to go back home, but it wasn't time. God said, no, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to get you paid. Laban has been unfair to you. He stays for another six years. Now he's wealthy. Now he's successful. Now Laban's not happy. And God says, time to go. <laughs> time to go home. Return unto thy land of thy fathers. Look at verse 4. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field and to his flocks, and said unto them, I see your father's countenance that is not toward me as before. But the God of my father have been with me, and ye know. Now notice verse 6. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. He said, and ye know that with all my power I have served your father. Here's secret to success number three. At work, give it all you've got. At work, work with all your power. At work, work with all your might. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 22. At work, do it with your might. Do it with your strength. Give it all you've got. When you're getting paid, don't be thinking about the weekend. Don't be thinking about other stuff. Don't be thinking about your problems. Just when you're at work, your job is to work and to work hard. Make sure you earn every penny you're paid. If you're getting paid for eight hours' work, make sure you put in eight hours of work. Colossians 3, verse 22, servants, obey. Colossians 3, verse servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service. Not with eye service. You know what that means? Don't just work hard when the boss is watching. Don't just work hard when the boss is watching. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. You know that God's watching you anyway? You know that when even the, when the supervisor's not watching, God's watching. When the supervisor's not there, God's there. And by the way, God's the one that has the power to give you wealth. God's the one that has the power to promote you. God's the one that has the power to advance you. Instead of trying to impress the boss, you know who you ought to be trying to impress? God. And when you're at work, work with all you've got. When you're at work, make sure you're working hard. Jacob was able to say, ye know that with all My power, I have served your father. And, you know, at work, you ought not be messing around on Facebook. At work, you ought not be messing around with your phone. At work, you ought not be, you know, if you got to go to the water cooler and get a drink of water, that's fine. But, you know, be there for, how long does it take to get water? You know, a minute? Okay? You're there for 15 minutes. You're talking about all the gossip. You know, work with all your might. Give it all you've got. You say, well, it's not my job, it's not my business, but you are a Christian. You work for God. Amen. It's God that you represent. It's God everywhere you go. If people know you're a Christian, you are representing God. You better make sure you work hard. You better make sure you give it all your God. Jacob was able to say, look, Jacob had issues and Jacob had problems, but he was able to say, you know that with all my power, I served your father. He said, you know I came to work every day. I worked hard. I wasn't lazy. I wasn't late. I didn't cut out early. I didn't take extra breaks. And in your life and in my life, we need to be sure that we are hard workers. Now, I'm going to skip some of this because we've talked about some of this. Uh, go, go down to verse number 38. You know, in between verses 13 and 37, God tells Jacob to go back home. Jacob's wives basically get on board with the plan to leave because Jacob brings them together, explains to them, you know, the insider trading, explains all that stuff to them. They get on board and say, you're right, let's go. They leave town, and Rachel steals Laban's idols, on her way out, and Laban pursues, oh, pursues them. He overtakes Jacob. He searches for the idols and doesn't find them because Rachel's hiding them. We're just going to skip all that for sake of time. Look at verse 38. This is, now, this is now Laban and Jacob are having a confrontation because Jacob left town. And I want you to notice what Jacob says to Laban. Genesis 31 and verse 38. This 20 years have I been with thee, thy ewes and thy she-goats, have not cast their young, and, don't miss this, here's secret to success number four. And the, uh, and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. And the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. What secret to success number four? Don't consume your boss's profits. It would have been really easy for Jacob when he's out there in the field to say, you know, he's hungry. Take one of those lambs and just kill it. Grill it up. You know, lamb chops, have lunch, have dinner. Laban's like, hey, I'm missing a sheep. I don't know what happened. You know, a wolf came and ate him. And this was a common practice because, La- because Jacob is telling Laban, I never did that. And he's telling him, you know, you know I never did that. He said, the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. That which was torn of the beast I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it. Of my hand didst thou require it? whether stolen by day or stolen by night. And listen to me, if you want to be successful in the workplace, you need to be very careful about consuming your boss's profits. You say, how does that work in our our world today? Here's how it works. You get paid to show up at 8 a.m., but you show up at 8.15. You're consuming your boss's profits. You're given a 15-minute break, but you take a 20-minute break. You're consuming your boss's profits. You're you're allowed a half-hour lunch or a hour-long lunch but you take 45 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes but you still write on your you know hours that you came back on time you cut out a little early on friday because the boss is gone anyway and nobody would really know that you left early but you get you know you leave at 4 30 but you get paid till five you are consuming you are eating away your boss's profits let me just explain something to you bosses aren't stupid Hey, you want to know why you work for them? There's obviously something they did in life different than you. Because they're not working for you, you're working for them. And they might not call you on every little thing, but eventually it will catch up to you. And Laban knew that Jacob did not consume his profits, did not, he said, look, I bear the loss of it. My hand, uh, my hand is now required of it. He said, I made sure that I was not consuming Your prophets. Look at verse uh, 40. Let me give you the fifth one. We'll be done. Genesis 31, verse 40. Thus I was. He said, thus I was. In the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night, my sleep departed from mine eyes. Here's, Here's success, secret to success in the workplace number five. Do not love sleep. Do not love sleep. You want to know how Jacob got from rags to riches? You want to know how anyone gets from rags to riches? By getting up early, staying up late, working hard, and not loving sleep. He said, look, in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night, and sleep departed from my eyes. Go to the Book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter twenty. We're almost done. We're going to run a couple of verses. What we we'll done? Proverbs chapter twenty. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll be in the in the Book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you got the Book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number twenty. Look at verse number thirteen. Proverbs chapter number twenty and verse number thirteen. Proverbs chapter twenty and verse thirteen. The Bible says this: Love not sleep. That's where I got it from. Love not sleep. Now notice, love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. You know what the word less means? Unless. He says, love not sleep unless you come to poverty. You know what the word poverty means? It means poor. It means broke. It means not financially. You know, it means financially struggling. Here's what the Bible says. If you love sleep, you're going to be poor. You're going to be in poverty. You're not going to be successful in any area. I don't care if it's pastoring a church or running a business. You cannot pastor a church and love to sleep. You cannot reach people with the gospel. You cannot write sermons that help people and edify people when you're lazy and you're taking naps and you're sleeping in and you're not working hard in every area of your life. If you want to be successful, you better learn to love not sleep. Love not sleep lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes and thou shalt be satisfied with bread said, if you just opened your eyes and got to work, you might have something to eat. you just opened your eyes and got to work, you, might, you would be satisfied with bread. Proverbs 24, look at verse 30. Proverbs 24, verse 30, just a couple of pages over. Proverbs 24, verse 30. This is Solomon, the, the wise man that wrote the book of Proverbs. Notice what he said. He said, I went by the field of the slothful. You know what a, what a slothful person is? It's lazy. A sloth is an animal that sleeps like 22 hours a day or something. and like doesn't move, you know, because just to not, not burn up any energy because it'd rather sleep than eat. I went by the field of the slothful. That's not something you want to be called, okay? If you get your, you know, your one-year report back from your boss, you know, your one-year review, and it says in there in big red letters, slothful, that's not a good thing, okay? Stallion, that's a good thing. Slothful, no, all right? It's not, not something you want to be called. And he, here's what he says. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. He's not very smart. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And by the way, let me say this. That's what lazy people's houses look like. That's what lazy people's property looks like. If your house, if your house is a mess, go clean it up. If your car is a mess, go clean it up. He said, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard, of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles that covered the face thereof, And the stone wall thereof was broken up. You think you think you think it's a coincidence that we've got all these homeless people out here and everywhere they go, they leave a big, huge mess. You think that's a coincidence? That's why they are in the place they are in life. I know people don't like to hear that, and you're picking on them, whatever. Why do they got to make such a mess? They don't even own anything, and they got a mess. But it's because when you go by the field of the slothful, when you go by the house of the lazy person, everything they have is going to be a mess. It was all grown over with thorns and nettles that covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw, then I saw, and considered it well. Young men, please do me a favor. Go out here in the parking lot. Look at these homeless people. Look at them, and consider it well. Learn from their mistakes. Solomon says, Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Get a little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth. And thy want, and thy want. You're always in want. You never have enough. And thy want as an armed man. Look, we have an epidemic in the United States of America of lazy men. We've got a problem in this country where men are not wanting to get up. They don't want to work. They don't want to get up. They don't want to get up early. They don't want to stay up late. It's an issue. Part of it to blame is they all grow up on these stupid video games. Part of it to blame is that they all grow up on the stupid Facebook and all this stupid garbage and they don't know how to work. And look, our movement is in trouble. I'm talking about the independent Federal Baptist movement or this extreme movement that we happen to be in. We're in trouble. You know why? Because we can't find men that want to work. I, I look at some of these guys that want to be pastors and I think to myself, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. There was times when we started Verity Baptist Church and we were meeting in the, in, 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 the, in the living room. I remember I was working HVAC and it was summertime and we were busy. And I was working full time, 50, 60 hours a week while pastoring a church full time. There was times on a Sunday morning where I was at work at 6 a.m. I know some of you guys never seen 6 a.m., but it's it's an actual time of the day. (laughs) You get get up. There's a 6. It's not just there to make it look. that. That's actually, there's a time. There's a 6 a.m. and a 6 a.m. I was at work on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m., which means I got up at 5 a.m. And I worked from 6 a.m. till 9.45 a.m. And then I took my break. And my boss completely knew about this. I I never lied to him. I told him what I was doing. I took my lunch break at 9.45 a.m. You know what I did? I drove to my house. I took off my work clothes. I put on a coat. I put on a tie. I was in church at 10 a.m. We fellowshiped from 10 a.m. to 10.30. I preached at 10.30. Church got done at 11.45. And by noon, I was back at work. And I worked from noon till about 5.30. And then guess what I did? I went back home, and we had church at 6 p.m. And sometimes I even went to work after that. If it was just busy and I had to get done, I didn't miss church. I, and, 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 and here's the thing, I still wrote three sermons. I still, and I look at the future of our movement, I just, I don't really see that. I mean, can you show me that? Can you show me the future of our movement? I mean, I just don't see that want. I don't see that desire. I don't see that great. Everybody wants to just hand it to them. Pastor Anderson, please give me 150 church members to start with. I don't want to go to California. I'm going to have to actually work for a church. Why don't you just get up and work? Why don't you actually just reach people and knock doors and work hard and learn to get up? I'm just sick and tired of this lazy mentality. I just want to sleep. You're a loser, and you will be a loser if you don't figure out how to get up. You don't figure out how to work hard. I mean, there were so many times, back when we were in our first building, there were so many times I'd show up to church on a Wednesday night. It was 6.45. I'd be in my work clothes. I'd just run in. My wife just had my suit. She was just waiting for me. So I'd grab that thing, go into ba- in the bathroom, come out like Superman, you know, with the, with the, with the suit and everything. Got up and preached the sermon, writing my sermon on the way home. I just don't see that. I just don't see that. You, you young guys want to prove me wrong? I'd like to see it. I'll see you on Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. I don't understand how we got women that show up for soul winning at 930 with five of their kids, and some of our single guys can't figure out how to get up early in the morning. They'll be selling popsicles in hell before I allow some woman with five kids to do more soul winning than I do. Before I allow some, some wife that's got children, the weaker vessel, and then, well, I don't know why I can't find a wife. Maybe you learn to work hard and you'll find a wife. I'm not just talking to our guys here. I'm talking on the Internet here to all these guys. We need men that will work. We need men that won't complain. And then you won't complain. Oh, well, it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah, it's hard. I don't know if you know that. It's hard. It's hard when you got 600 homos out there chanting your death. It's hard. You don't just go home and cry to your wife about it. You just get up and go to work the next day. And we've got an epidemic. We've got a problem. And we've got to raise You say, why are you preaching this? Because I want the kids of Verity Baptist Church. I want the young boys running around here. I want them to grow up and be men and work hard not be scared and just get up and say you know what it's got to get done I don't need your handout I will work hard I will get it done I'll even do it in California (laughs) I'll I'll even do it where they're not just going to hand it to me what are the secrets to success number one produce results for your boss number two reject the handout mentality number three at work give it all you've got number four don't consume your boss's profits Number five, do not love sleep. Go to Genesis 30, look at verse 27. We're finished right here. Genesis 30, verse 27. As Christians, you should be a blessing to your boss. It's interesting because Laban said this about Jacob, and then Potiphar said it about Joseph. Let's look at it together. Genesis 30, verse 27. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry. Notice what he says. For I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. That's what your boss ought to say about you. I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Go to Genesis 39, look at verse 5. Just real quickly, we've got to finish up. Genesis 39, look at verse 5. Genesis 39, verse 5. And it came to pass, and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Is that the testimony of your job? You say, well, my boss isn't going to identify the blessing. Yeah, you know, you know what? But your boss ought to identify that when you go on vacation for a week, he says, man, when you were gone, things didn't run as smoothly as they usually do. I mean, your, your boss needs to be able to identify there's a blessing associated to having you there. Go to Genesis 30, look at verse 26. In the workplace, in the workplace, your testimony ought to speak for itself. In the workplace, your testimony ought to speak for itself. Genesis 30, verse 26. Give me my wives and my children from whom I have served thee, and let me go. For thou knowest, notice what he says, thou knowest my service which I have done thee. Jacob was able to confidently say, you know, Laban, you know, thou knowest my service, which I have done for thee. Look at verse 33, same chapter. Genesis chapter 30, verse 33. Notice what he says. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come, when it shall Come for my hire before thy face. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. He says, look, my righteousness, my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. Look at verse 28, same chapter, Genesis 30, verse 28. If you follow these principles, produce results for your boss, reject the handout mentality at work, give it all you've got, don't consume your boss's profits, do not love sleep. If If you apply these to your life, You will write your own check in life. Look, look Genesis 30, verse 28. And he said, this is Jacob, this is Laban speaking to Jacob, and he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give it. Wouldn't you love your boss to say, tell me how much I've got to pay to keep you here. Appoint me thy wages. What what do I need to do to keep you here? That's what Laban said to Jacob. Why? Because of all these things that we saw in the life of Jacob. Because of all these things that we saw in, in the life. And listen to me. In, in this community in Sacramento or wherever you work in, in this state Christians ought to be known as the best workers. You know what your boss should say about you? Your boss should say he's a little crazy. I don't really get the whole homo thing. I don't really know why, you know, at lunch break he's reading nine cha- nine chapters, well, I don't know what that's about and he knocked on my door one time on a Saturday. I thought that was weird and you know, the, they're, they're, they're a little odd, and they might be on a call, but I will hire him, and I will hire, here's what he should say, but here's what he should say, but I will hire him, and I will hire everyone like him, because I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for his sake. He doesn't have to like you. He doesn't have to like what you stand. He doesn't have to like what you are and what you believe, but he ought to like that you work for him. And he, he, your boss ought to be coming to you and saying, you got any more crazies like you? I know you guys are crazy, but if they all work like you, I'll hire them. That ought, to be the, that ought to be a testimony of Christians. You know, I pray that in my generation, I pray that there'll be a shift. I pray that people will move here from other cities and other towns throughout the, the world, and we'll be able to just find them jobs because it's like, because all the employers are just like, yeah, bring, bring your crazy. I, I don't care, homophobic, whatever, racist, whatever, just bring them. <laughs> I don't care what. I mean, they work hard, they make me money, they don't steal from me. They don't show up late. They're not lazy. That ought to be the testimony of Christians. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I I pray that there, there would be a stirring in the hearts of our young men. I'm talking about our young men. I'm talking about our boys, our young boys that are being raised in our homes right now. Lord, I pray you'd help us to teach them, to work hard, get up early not have a handout mentality to say, I'm willing to go out there and work hard. Lord, I think of the men in the Bible that you called into ministry because they were working hard. I think of Elisha who was plowing with oxen, literally plowing with oxen when you called him into the ministry. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be hard workers. Help us to be a blessing to our boss. And help our bosses to be able to identify the blessing of God as a result of having us there. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen.